The History of Personal Computing. Hello, History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast fans. Jeff and I are back with a new episode of the show. So, hiya, Jeff. Anything new with you? I was waiting for to to finish, <laughs> waiting for you to finish that long introduction that you normally have. Yeah, I try to change I, it up. You so woke me up and I got startled. I couldn't even talk right. What's new with me? You know, um, I got some. I got TRS eighty Model One now. Oh, I saw that. You tweeted I, that. I also got two Model 1s, and I also got a third Model 1. Yeah, yes, so I tweeted. explain what that was about, the tweet. Well, um, we went to a flea market that's well, actually quite a distance away from here, but it's really close to uh, Todd George's house, um, apparently, because uh, he told me about the place. So we went there, and uh, it was a nice day. It was a hot day, but the, it was actually a cool breeze blowing. It was actually really good. Um, so we walked all through this uh, flea mar- outdoor flea market, and I came across this table that uh, they had some, uh, was it, uh, TI-99 stacked up, and a few other, like, uh, computer parts, uh, some external hard drives from old IBMs, that kind of stuff, uh, some PS2-related, computer-related stuff, but then I saw this stack of TRS-80 Model 1s. It's just the keyboards, of course. It's not the, the monitor. And I thought, well, I never had one of these. Even if I bought one for a decent price and I couldn't get it, you know, if it doesn't work or anything like that, I can probably make money back selling it for parts. So I asked him how much they were. He said they were $10 a piece. Or you can have all three for 15 That's – does he never look at eBay? they got to be worth way more than that in whatever condition. Well, but there are, have the full keyboard. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't have the visible – sign of the uh what the basic two or the updated yeah, ROM. Yeah. But I understand I can burn an EEPROM and put it in there and it'll do the same thing. But so, still, I mean, uh, but, you know, but nowadays there's still uh, it's, it's a hassle to sell anything on eBay to a certain extent. No power supplies. Oh. But again, I think they're at least worth what you say 50 bucks a piece maybe on maybe. eBay just hey, like that. They may not work. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But um they I have 3 of them. Mm-hmm. And Two of them have good keyboards. The other one is missing some keys. No power so, supplies, huh? No power supplies, but they look in decent enough physical shape. Two of them have a pretty pretty nice-looking case uh, they need cleaned. One of them has some wear across the front from the silver wearing off from overuse. And uh, on the inside, they look pretty clean. A couple of them are missing screws. I know they've been taken apart before. Maybe they've been you know, had parts pulled from them. I don't know. Yeah. And now I have one in my collection, or three in my collection, so, you know, for 15 bucks, I'm not going to argue. Sure. Uh, so I have them. I can't wait to eventually get them working, but I, I can be patient with them. I can see if a power supply comes up on eBay from time to time and snag it. Yeah, because you, you just need one. <laughs> but, yeah, starters, and it's some odd voltages. Right? I mean, I could probably build one, and I think there's plans out there to build one, but I think it uses um, two, I think it uses like 19 to 24 AC on one of them. And something on DC or maybe AC on the other other pin. Uh, it, I mean, it's possible I can build one, but like I said, I'm not in a hurry to get them running. Uh, but you know, they're in my collection now, so 
I'm good with that. Well, and the 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 power plug, you know, the pins on on or whatever, that's a fairly common plug, right? Oh yeah, it's a DIN five, just the like the half circle. Yeah, yeah you just have to common. wire it correctly. Yes, <laughs> definitely. We well, don't have to. I mean, I was but. just wondering, and <laughs> maybe some listeners can give me some feedback on this. But if eventually these voltages, now their AC voltages going in, unless those AC voltages are needed on board, mm-hmm. um, or if just the onboard power supply converts everything to say twelve and five volts and stuff, would it be possible to backfeed twelve and five volts into say the user port or, or the, the connect, external connector? You know, to backfeed mm-hmm. the circuit with electricity. Um, I don't know what the power supply does. I, I might not be able to do that, but theoretically that would be possible if all the power supply does is feed. Um, it's probably a trans- set of transformers that feeds the internal power supply, which creates the regulated DC voltages. And those voltages would normally appear on the external connectors. doesn't mean that those voltages can't be put on the external connectors and it will feed the rest of the circuit. So go ahead. Uh, you have a, so you have another thing to talk about. Oh yeah, the we Armiga have project. So go ahead and tell us about that, and then I'll I got a little something to talk about quickly. Okay, the Armiga is I believe it started out as Kickstarter. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I heard so. about this a long time ago, but somebody or some group uh, created this um, ARM based processor. I think that's what the Armiga came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically, it's a hardware Amiga 500 emulator with uh, the equivalent of one meg of RAM. And it's built on a, a it's a board with uh, some custom outputs. Like it has HDMI output, has a custom floppy controller, and it even has micro SD card and USB support. And it, um, I'm trying to get to the shop page here so I can get a better picture of it. It looks like an external Amiga floppy. Yeah. Um, and and then they have a small size version. I think the the full version has the floppy drive in it so you can actually take your old Amiga 500 game disc and put it in there and play it. It just hooks up to your TV. I wonder where they're getting those disc drives from. Are they those are like new old stock drives or That's hard to say. I mean even if they made a, a standard PC drive work, I mean they can. Oh. It, you can you can use those. But can uh, you still buy those? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's any new old stock, but really if it works, is that a problem? Right. Yeah, the small size edition is 119 euro. That's you know. Yeah, I'm figuring it out right now in a conversion thing. 119. Okay. So that's without the disk drive. We use disk images, right? Yeah, or SD card slot. So that's 133 dollars, and then and then the one with the disk drive is what 169 was it? I believe so. Let me go back. Yeah, 169 euro. So that's 189. Wow, the dollar's strong right now, huh? It, it apparently so. So 189 dollars for yep. for that one. Now, what you get the, with these is you get a an official Kickstart 1.3 license. They licensed the basic ROM for this, cool. uh, and eight gig of uh, you know it comes with eight gig SD card, uh, HDMI cable, European standard power source. So you know you might have to. But you know, I was just looking yourself. at those on Amazon. Uh, what would you call that? A step? I always get this goofed up. I think that's a step. Oh, it's up. Step, step down for so, us. Yeah, but you can get them for like oh, no, twenty. It would bucks. be step up. It would be step up. But so it depends you, on the input. It, it looks yeah. like it's just a barrel connector. It probably takes twelve volts. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but you don't have to. It doesn't have a lot of watts, so you don't have to get a. You can get like a. You could probably just get a fifty watt one of those transformers. Anyway, I, I was looking at them recently, simple. so I have to know this. Like, you can get them for a good one for like twenty dollars with good ratings and stuff. Twenty five, thirty bucks for a hundred watt. 
Yeah, so but I, I do know that they are limited edition. Okay. So I think they have all the ones that they're going to sell already made, sell them all, and then probably decide if they want to make more. Well, if you're an Amiga fan, I guess that is something to definitely look at. Absolutely. So I want to share. So first off, we were talking just before the show about, uh, doggone it, I closed the auction. But we will, let me bring it back up. It should be my history. Where is it? Okay. So um, there are two auctions going on right now, and they end tomorrow night or Friday. Well, we're going to today, whatever, when the, the podcast is going to go out tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, but they're going to end Friday the 17th at 8 p.m. I'm, I'm guessing this is giving me my time, Easter Standard Time. So the Vintage Computer Federation is auctioning two signed computers. The first one is a fully functional WAS autographed Apple II, not E, not Plus. It has so it has one day left, is what it says right now, because it's a little after seven on Thursday evening. We're recording. It has forty-seven bids. It's at four thousand and six dollars. That's wow. pretty. It's pretty good, huh? That's a good fundraiser, yeah. Um, and then the other one, again, about a you know, one day left. It's got fourteen bids. Fully functional autograph Soul Twenty Terminal Computer for twenty two thousand twenty six dollars. So that'd be Lee Felsenstein that is uh, autographed it. It has the same little like ter- display monitor on top. I wonder if it comes with that or it's the same one. You know, in the picture. Uh, I'm trying to see if it says that. Yeah, the monitor's not included. <laughs> That's too bad because it's one of those great little dinky 70s yeah, TV monitors or whatever. Well, they used that something like that for the Apple also, right? Just mm-hmm. Same line, yep. What, seven or nine-inch monitor? But that's very interesting. Oh, look, they're both coming out of San Jose. So not New Jersey. Actually, you're going to have to tell me who the seller is because oh. you didn't put the link there for me. Yeah, vintage-computer. And, and I'll, put, I'll add them to our show notes, which it, it'll go in the final show notes. But um, are you going to send you a link or you find it? Yeah, uh, let's see. I, I, I don't see. I type in vintage dash computer. It doesn't give me a user. Well, here, I'll, but- <laughs> I'll send you the link to uh, our show notes. Let's see. And what the heck? We'll do this live. Let's see here. Here we go. All right. Here it comes. All right. So you can check that out and then right, you know, you can look at the other stuff. Okay. Here the other thing is. I want to talk about is I acquired a new machine. So uh, I found it. You know, on Craigslist, and I, I went and got it for a good deal from a guy, and uh, and so I just put the Wikipedia link in the show notes. But it's it's a somewhat rare machine, I think. It's an IBM XT two eighty six. Really? Does it use a, a special board to do that? No, it, it actually came. It actually came from uh, IBM. You know, it was a real marketed product in nineteen eighty six. So the AT had already been out, and the only difference is I can tell. So. Well, the biggest difference is it's an XT, so it's in an XT case. Okay. Um, so, but it's six megahertz two eighty six versus an eight megahertz for the AT, um, which had also a different case. But from some of the things I quickly I looked at about it is that are the disk drives different too? Maybe the disk drive might be different. Are they but, half height or full height? Uh, I want to say it's half height. I'm not yeah, looking at it. Yeah, full height would take moment, up the whole bay, top to bottom. Yeah, because it, it has a hard bay. drive in it. So. Um, but this is some of the stuff I've read. Is interestingly, the because it came out after the AT. The AT has um, RAM with one weight state, and that this one has zero weight state RAM. Which, a little faster. So even though the processor is a little bit slower, it actually makes the machine slightly faster in a lot it's of more, ways. Yeah, it's more efficient that way. So that's that's kind of interesting. 
But um, but apparently IBM, I guess they they created this to get rid of the XT cases they had on hand, which is that's one way to do it. It's kind of kind of weird. But um, but I thought that's pretty cool. So um, the the hard drive is uh, not booting, and if you remember, I was texting with you about a um, an MFM hard drive emulator because that's kind of the direction I want to go with it. Yes, um, I have one for my old Macs. I have one for my Commodore sixty four, and um. And I do have an Apple IIe that I got at VCF East. So, and I want to get one for it. And then, you know, I'm going to see what I can do with the hard drive. Just but go I to want, all solid state storage. Yeah, but I want to get that also for old PC, for old PC too. I got to take my, my XT out sometime and turn it on and make sure it does boot. It did the last time I had it out many, many years ago. Well, I mean, well, you know that those uh, Seagate MFM drives, they're pretty solid and they, they, they last a long time. Of course, they can't last forever. But I guess if they turned off at working, they'll turn on working. But if you keep them running, they'll eventually wear. Yeah. All right. So moving along. So I need to add the show notes for those computers. All right. Let me get back here. So anyway, the uh, History of Personal Computing uh, eBay Edition podcast is where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. So it's sort of like Antiques Roadshow, but all about antique personal computers. And on today's show, we're continuing our coverage of the second phase of portables, which are the earliest laptops. And we're covering the Cambridge Computer Z88 and then the Apple Macintosh Portable. So Jeff, are we on the second phase or third phase? I lost track. Well, I know I was going to mention that before the show, but um, no, we're actually still in, we're still in the second tier Okay, second. So we're in the second tier, which were the portables, yes. uh, which were so the first phase of that were the I don't know it gets all goofy the luggables, <laughs> and then and then you moved into the second phase, which were laptops, notebooks, and so on. That's right. And then we'll be moving into the third tier of personal computing, which are the handhelds, which are obviously still portables, but it's you know it's again it's sort of a a separate category than what you tend to think of as because yeah, you know when we moved into portables, they were portable desktops, right? And yes. then this is so anyway. Well, yeah, the handheld ones are great, you know, at least the vintage handhelds, because you can put them in your back pocket and not butt dial anybody. Yeah, and of course, those break down into palm tops, PDAs, pin computing, which most PDAs were, you know, then organizers. And that'll be fun when we move into there. That will be. Anyway, let's start off with uh, a small description of the first computer we're talking about. Sorry, I bumped my mic there. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> The Cambridge Computer Z88. That is a A4 size, basically the size of a piece of notebook paper. Lightweight, portable Z80-based computer with a built-in combined word processing, spreadsheet, and database application called PipeDream. And PipeDream is functionally equivalent to a 1987 BBC Micro-ROM called AcornSoft View Professional. I don't think I've ever saw that product before. Anyway, so Mostly in what, the UK? Yeah, uh, yeah, like this Cambridge computer, uh, Z88, too. Um, and also came along with several other applications, utilities, such as a Z80 version of the BBC Basic Programming Language. And um, oh, what were some of the other ones? Um, oh, I'll, I'll just move on. We can go through this whole list and stuff. But the Z88 actually evolved from Sir Clive Sinclair. Remember him? His, oh, yeah. His Pandora Portable Computer Project which had been under development at Sinclair Research in, uh, during the mid-'80s. Uh, the machine was launched at the Witch Computer, question mark, that's actually the title, the Witch Computer Show on 17 February 1987. Hmm. 
Yeah, and actually they were um, – I've had a couple of those over the years. And so – and we're going to look at the eBay auctions. But I, they were available in the U.S. I think later on too. And, and actually a little bit more – they were – you know, more readily available than you might have imagined. Weren't and, they uh, closer to like the Model 100? That, exactly. Uh, That's why it, it's almost a slightly different category because obviously they're not really laptops. They're not hand, handhelds in a sense of palm tops and all that stuff. But they're that same. They're in that same category where, yeah, they're like a really thin, lightweight, you know, laptop computer. Uh, but they had that little that little display, that little window of a display. So it really it did kind of fill that sort of that same niche that the Model 100 did. So all right, so we're gonna keep. Are you still there? Yes. I wasn't hearing you. So I know. <laughs> uh, okay. So also we're covering the Macintosh Portable, and it was Apple's uh, first battery-powered portable Macintosh personal computer, and it was released on September 20th, 1989. It was received with excitement from most critics, but consumer sales were quite low. It featured a fast, sharp, and expensive black-and-white active matrix LCD screen and a hinged design that covered the keyboard when the machine was not in use. The portable was one of the early consumer laptops to employ an active matrix panel, and only the most expensive of the initial PowerBook line, the PowerBook 170, ended up using one as well due to the high cost. The cursor pointing function was handled by a built-in trackball that could become that could be removed and then you could move it on either side of the keyboard. So, you know, it accommodate left hand that or, or right hand. That was a convenient feature. Yeah. It used expensive SRAM in an effort to maximize battery life and to provide instant on low power sleep mode. Uh, the machine was designed to be high performance at the cost of price and weight. So yeah. um, there's a lot more we could say about this, but that's just real quick. That's definitely, I think, some of the things that why it wasn't really considered uh, successful or wasn't as successful I believe it was over seven thousand dollars in nineteen eighty nine dollars, and it weighed something like eighteen pounds. It's heavy, yeah. So it was really heavy, and again, this is nineteen eighty nine, you know, nineteen ninety, where the expectation was starting to be yeah, that was okay, you know, eight years earlier with the luggables, but you know, even then, people are like, that's just too bulky and heavy. Um, but it was actually a pretty good. It really was a um, a portable Macintosh, which was sort of an amazing thing. So you got like the you got a true Macintosh in a portable you know, form factor. Which since there weren't any other Mac notebooks computers at time, that was kind of kind of cool. I was really impressed with it. I worked at an Apple dealer when it came out. So you know, using one if you don't got to buy it or anything, it was it was pretty impressive. I have both types: the one with the backlit screen and the one without. And yeah, so initially were- it wasn't backlit. They they were actually given to me, but when it started out at about seven thousand dollars, it must have depreciated really quickly because, yeah. uh, being when they came out, I think I received mine in uh, mid to late nineties. They were just given to me, and this person had two of them, so they must have dropped in value quite a bit, uh, or they just wanted to get them out of their house. I don't know. Uh, maybe I really lucked out. I want to say that they were they were about they were essentially like a Mac SE in a portable form factor. And so the SE, you know, came out in like late 86 or 87. And so already by 89, 1990, we, you know, there, there were, uh, O2O and O3O processors that had come out and that was a 68,000. So it was kind of underpowered, you know, already. So definitely by the mid to late nineties, it was, it was already a, you know, an old, you still machine. had that portability. Yeah. Lugability. Uh, right. So what was the other thing? I was about to say something else about it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really nice computer. Yeah. So, so you had the, 
non-backlit, and later on they added backlight lighting. And they had, I think, two different model numbers, which I think some of my auctions go over mm-hmm. or uh, allude to. So take it away, the first auction. All right. First uh, auction I have is a ended auction for, it was, let's see, it was in, uh, sold in or from Swadlincote, United Kingdom. And Sinclair Cambridge Z88 portable computer working nice condition with box. Guess that would be kind of rare. Yeah. Gives you a nice close up look of the uh, computer itself. And yeah, it just kind of has that model 100 E feel to it. Uh, smaller, smaller uh, display though. Yeah. Smaller display and pretty thin. The guy shows his hand in comparison to it. It's almost, almost looks like one of those um, portable Franklin ACE translator or, uh, dictionary things that came out. Remember those? The mm-hmm. electronic dictionaries? Yeah. It's, it's very small form factor, but hey, it's a Z80-based computer. I mean, and really, its main, I think one of its main purposes was to be able to like write on and capture your writing, and then you could uh, send it over to a real computer and then do all your real editing and all that kind of stuff with it. Yeah, so for that right. purpose, it, it was good. Yeah, with the built-in software suite, they gave it additional functionality. And now uh, this one, I don't know if they all came with this or not. Um, looks like it has a function template or command template. I don't know if that was stuck on there or if that was. Oh, that's right underneath the keyboard thing? So, on this particular auction, yeah. I don't know if that was permanent uh, because of the built-in software. I mean, it's not like you're not going to want to use. I think it is because, like, on my, my auction, it has it as well. Okay. And – um and then didn't you pick a did you pick a second one? No. I, I believe I did. It sort of looks familiar though. No, no, I didn't. I didn't pick a second one. Um but yeah, this is a nifty little device. Now did this thing run on batteries? Or just, yeah. just the power so it had batteries or used batteries. I think so I'm pretty sure it had yeah, it had to have. I was looking for battery cover, but this particular auction's missing the power pack. Oh yeah, there's looks like a battery slot. I see it now on the underside. It looks like it might hold. Uh, two batteries, but it might actually socket four of them. Uh, oh yeah, so it held four. I'm looking at another picture here. With okay, the battery door open. So four double A's. Okay, which isn't bad. That's that's like the Model 100. Mm-hmm. Um, this one sold for approximately sixty six, sixty seven dollars US. Yeah, which, not bad. No, I guess if you want something unique uh, in your collection, and even in the US, if you just don't mind running off of batteries, you don't have to worry about not having a power supply right like i've never had one for my i've had a couple of different model 100s model 102 radio shacks and i've never had power supply because i you know i didn't care because i just put batteries in it power supplies it. are overrated i think i'm just gonna put, <laughs> i'm gonna put eight eight d batteries in my trc model ones and go from there they'll last i mean you just got to remember not to leave them in there and then it sits for a couple of yeah. years <laughs> that's right so my first auction, I also found a, a Sinclair Cambridge Z88 computer. Mine has 128K of RAM. It is an, a, uh, an active auction. So a Z88 to Mac cartridges and a calculator. So this has got six days, over six days left, and it's only at 20 bucks. And it's in the U.S., Milton, Vermont, so $15 shipping you know, to me. Um, and it's... Yeah, very cl- lot like yours, the one you found, just really nice and Six clean. Six days, three bids, currently twenty bucks. This is this is getting ready for a race. I can just yeah, this is a used item. It's an excellent, one hundred percent working order. See pics. 
you get the portable computer carry bag, RAM cartridge, and the Mac cartridge and charger. Yeah, so you know, you, you could pick up one of these for for a deal. Yeah, watch out for it. I wonder what it does beyond the Z80 Your basic. Sweet, sweet deal. What if, you, what if you can program these things in December? Do they have Do they have that capability? Can you like hack the hardware with? Oh, uh, and, and oh, interesting. Oh, I want to mention this too. Just real quick, let's see. Um, while I was at the the museum today working, and we're working on building shelves and building out a storage area and start inventorying uh, Lonnie Mims's computer collection, um, but he had a stack of some Mac uh, Week magazines from 1990, okay. and, uh, and I was flipping. I was waiting at the end of the day, flipping through some, and I found. I found an ad for uh, the Macintosh Portable for a pro- like uh, it's actually I think uh, it's like RAM to put into Macintosh Portable. So I took a picture of the ad, and then I found an ad for the Cambridge Z88 to use oh, wow. with Macs. And so I took a picture of that ad. So we'll have to I'll send those to you that we can update. Right, what do you think that Z88 to Mac cartridge is for with this thing? Well, I, I think apparently it was used. Um, here I'm trying to go to the ad here. That it was, they were used, I guess, a lot with Macs. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll to transfer what you wrote, put it into a Mac for final publishing. Yeah. And obviously, there's a Mac cartridge, so you know enough of them. There's enough demand for that. So that, that was kind of interesting, right? That just before the yeah. show, I find just randomly come across pictures related to it. It's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So you take it away. Okay, my next auction, and uh, I, the link I put in, you'll have to click the see original listing. Yeah, uh, so 5120 is... 5120 looks like it's the non-backlit display. Okay. And this was actually a pretty clean condition. It sold for $179. It's the, it's the Macintosh Portable, so everybody's on the same uh, track here. Uh, yeah, it's very clean. It's not any yellowing. The trackball actually looks pretty good shape oh, i hope uh, i clicked on the right one this is the one that says yeah with case untested as is yeah now okay if you follow the link that i put in there you'll have to go past the name okay where after it says this listing is ended and see original listing to get a yeah, better no battery no charger not tested yeah for 175 bucks really yeah That's, so they get a little bit of money now and 60 dollars shipping to me from new york yeah somebody's yeah. That says something about the weight. Well, I wonder if they had other shipping methods, uh, free local pickups. <laughs> it was standard shipping, 60 bucks. I, I guess that was calculated. Now, it says the listing has ended. You know, I know we've talked about this before because it used to be so easy to see these results. We don't know if this really sold then, right? Or do we? Um, it says sold for 175 Oh, okay. You're right. I see that now. All right. Yeah, it's just not in like green or anything just, like you know, that. They used to like sh- tell you, show you who bought it and stuff. I, eBay, they're all paranoid now. Well, I, that's hard to say. Um, was this maybe a buy it now as opposed to auction? I, I don't know. I, I think it might be buy it now because or it have how many bids, right? That's true. It would have a bidding history. But uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. But, yeah, it's in good shape. Now, the battery, these things always had problems with, you know, the battery going dead. And it's a sealed lead acid, if I recall. Right, so right. You can rebuild them. Um, and like the some technology. of these other laptops uh, we've talked about before, um, it won't work unless the battery works. Yeah, it needs that, needs that 
reserve power and it's it's like for the initial startup it, it, it i guess it draws a lot of power and it, little power supplies just won't do it yeah i've I, was that in the ad i read that somewhere i don't know if that's really the case because if you think about it logically i don't think that could be that would because if the battery's not enough to power the laptop then it would ultimately run out wouldn't it or if the power supply is not enough to run the laptop. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The power supply might do a good job at keeping the battery charged. Well, I just think the way it's wired is it only runs off the battery. So, yes. so therefore, the power supply, all it does is recharge the battery. Yes. So, it keeps the battery topped off. So if the battery is completely dead, even if your power supply is good, it can't work because it's not pulling any juice off the battery. Exactly. I think there's that's a, what the deal is. There's not enough available current yeah. to initially start it up. Now, it looks like you have a Farm Fresh version. Oh, okay. Same thing in your auction. Let's see. I hope it's not the same one, right? Mine no, says, yeah, vintage Apple Macintosh 5120 portable computer. And this is a live auction. So um, I picked live ones this time. It's ending in, when is it ending? Oh, it's Byte now. So it's it's 120.93. <laughs> so, okay. you know, if you're looking for a Macintosh portable under $121, Man, you made out. This is it. It was one thirty nine, and yeah. it has thirteen percent off. Right. Saves you eighteen dollars. Where do they come up with this stuff? Well, so thirteen um, yeah, percent off. It's thirty four dollars shipping from Texas. Uh, person's got good feedback. One hundred and three. So let's see what it says. It's got a picture of it open. The top with a, with a blade of grass uh, on the space bar. Oh yeah. So it says, up for sale is a great condition, totally untested, Macintosh portable. These are extremely rare and were made in the late 80s. This is the first model and therefore the most desirable. Huh. Oh, thanks for telling me. We do not know <laughs> anything about vintage computers and do not have the AC adapter for it. So it is therefore sold as is untested for parts repair only. Great cosmetic condition. However, if they don't know anything about vintage computers, how do they know that it's the first model and therefore the most desirable? Oh, and whether it's friend, extremely their rare, friend too. told them that's what it was. <laughs> so anyway, so I don't know. These are you know untested and no power supply and everything else for. Well, know, hey, if there's nine, nine people watching, so nine people have uh, an eye on it. Yeah, and if he sells it for 120 bucks, it, it might be worth that uh, because the hard drive is sort of proprietary, and if the hard drive works, somebody could buy it from them. Uh, the case seems to be pretty clean. Keyboard needs some cleaning, but it yeah, looks they clean good. up easy though. Yeah, they do, and e- and even the screen. So this for 120 bucks, I guess if somebody trusted everything to work except that the fact it doesn't have power of any type, uh, this could be this could probably salvage for more than 120 dollars to to make other ones work. And uh, if I remember correctly, too, I think. I could be wrong on this one, but I believe that some of those the you know the later but early power book power supplies might actually work with it. If I'm not mistaken, it's almost the same voltage and at least the same current capacity. Yeah, well, and the pin and the, not the pin, but the you know the jack or whatever. I believe barrel connector stay yeah. the same, but I you know I haven't messed around. So I've had a couple of these over the years, and I don't have one now. There's <laughs> a couple at the museum, so. I'll be playing with those sometime soon. Oh, I bet you're going to have fun working with those. Mm-hmm. You get all the fun jobs. So take it away. Another okay. another portable. 
Another one, this one is the M5126 as opposed to the 5120. And this one has the active um, display, active matrix uh, display. And you can tell because it's got a... Oh, no, they all have active matrix. It's just that it's... I'm sorry, this is the backlit. Yeah. yeah. This, this has the backlit. And you can tell because it's got a darker screen. Um, yet another clean um, portable mag. This one won... Winning bid out of eight bids is two hundred and ten dollars and thirty seven cents. Somebody you know wanted to get that little ex- extra there. And speaking of extra, it also comes with an extra power adapter. You know, battery may or may not work. I see backlit portable rare uh, rare backlit version. Is that yeah? Is that the, the is the backlit version rarer than the other one? So I'm pretty sure that it wasn't out you know that long. I think they did it as a means to try to. Um you know, make it more desirable to sell them, and it still didn't sell that well. It's still too expensive, and then they canceled it. Okay. So, well, this one has a bad battery, so it boots to a sad Mac error message. See, I maybe there's something else wrong. Uh, is that what they said? It wouldn't yeah. boot at all if it has a dead battery. Yeah, it would like like bong bong bong. It would just like keep restarting itself. Oh, okay. Maybe that's right. Uh, so maybe it's not dead enough, but it, <laughs> it goes so far, and then maybe you know. <laughs> yeah. Stop! Not dead enough. No, we can fix that. Um, he says it has little sticker residue in one corner, which could be easily removed, but not by the seller. Yeah, but I'm not going to do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's an extra. That's an extra amount there. Just give me my uh, two ten thirty seven dollars and shut up. Sixty dollars <laughs> shipping, of which I'll buy a pizza for the a pizza for the family for twenty five dollars, and then ship it to you. <laughs> the remaining shipping funds. Give me my two. 50 and shut up and take the sticky off yourself <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 an, and this has the case too it has yeah uh, one of the cases these mine come in cases too but mine don't have this kind of case mine have uh like a softer, softer vinyl case. yeah yeah i want to say they came with the case i would almost swear for seven thousand dollars yeah you think better, so right they, they better come with a polishing compound keep them clean and, and a nice little blanket to keep it rested. You know, tuck it in at night. All right. So anyway, so I, moving I, along, might be enough about uh, Macintoshes for a while. So I picked. I was looking for some other, you know, because we had the portables covered, and my, for my last choice, uh, you know, related to what we're talking about, not, not the random auction we both do. Um, I was trying to find another Z eighty eight to cover. But I sort of stumbled on this one, and I think it's kind of okay to go off the rails a little bit because it's it's very related, and it's not yeah. one we've looked at before. So this one is an honorable event. mention, right? Yeah. Well, it's 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 was a competitor. It's right in there with uh, around the same time frame. So anyway, it's an authentic, excellent condition, and this one's very nice. So. Okay, here we go. Authentic, excellent condition Amstrad Notepad computer NC one hundred. Uh, 1992 with case and as new condition, hardly used in, in as new condition. Yeah. And it's um, approximately $70 and 95 cents coming out of the UK. Uh, shipping's about 35. It looks like from, Oh, it's from Glasgow, Glasgow, Glasgow. Um, so it's Scotland. And, um, and you can make an offer on it and it's in really nice shape. And uh, there are a few other ones available and this, I think it's one of the cheaper ones. So, so there you go. If you look at it, you can see how, um, it's a lot like the Z88. I think it's kind of nicer, really. It's got a little it, bit bigger display. It's, it has a little graphical, you know, yeah, that graphical dot matrix monochrome. display from a, instead of like text-based menus. Yeah, 
um, and some colorful keys and a secret menu button. Oh, so what? So the little I'm zooming in here. So what's on the screen right now in the picture is you start a new document, press red, list stored documents, press green, print document, press blue. Oh, look, and it currently has uh, London as its location, I guess, for the for, you know for the time zone. It says Sunday, twenty two May, twenty sixteen. It's fifteen twenty four. It's Y two K compliant, apparently. Yeah, when they took the picture, but it's um. But did you see the secret menu button? Oh, wait, no. Where is it? Oh, at the bottom? To the left of the red button. It's got a secret menu. Secret menu. <laughs> I wonder what that does. <laughs> and it takes four double A's, it says. I'm looking at the bottom picture. Made in Japan, serial number. So probably made by, uh, who we want to guess is made by Japan. Maybe Sharp or somebody like that, right? Who made the, the Tandy 100? Oh, I forget. Oh, wait. Oh, NEC? Yeah, I bet you it's made by them, too. It could be. Why not? It, it, it's not It's not, uh, It's not. not impossible. I mean, just make different products and sell them all under, or make the same product, decorate it up a little bit, and sell it all under different names. I like it. I might buy it myself. There you go. I might, I might just do that. All right. So that was cool. So check it out. But um, and again, these are some machines that you can pick up pretty cheap. And um, you know, there's lots of niches in computer collecting that are still very, very reasonable. Very. Now, see, if I run across something like that at a flea market, I would probably buy it. Yeah, yeah. We're only spending maybe twenty bucks on it, twenty-five. Yeah, maybe, and I'd probably have to take some dust off of it too. A lot of dust. Yeah, because well, right now it's like a hundred bucks shipped. I think the dust that were were on my uh, TRS eighty Model Ones were dust from the environment because it's dusty trails going down the line, and it was really windy, so you would see dust clouds appear from time to time. They have to settle somewhere, so they they I think they seek out the electronics and settle in on every vent hole in all the electronics. Then it settles on the ground, and then and then on the glass plateware. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to be insulting or anything, but sometimes you're a real vent hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh-huh. take it away. All right, this one I, I found, or I actually I, I came across on a Facebook post, and I thought, okay, this would be perfect for my random auction because it see. randomly okay. came to me. This is an Apple II, Apple branded, five and a quarter inch disc holder. Very rare. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So if you're not looking at the auction right now as we speak, this is an Apple all-white semi-gloss disc sleeve for a five and a quarter inch disc. Um, but it has the Apple computer incorporated uh, name, address, and telephone number and telex number printed on the back so you know it's authentic. Um, and you could, you could have had it, the auction ended. Uh, or is it in place again? Is it starting bid? No, you can't bid on it. You could well, I'm looking it for, at it. It says zero bids. Yeah, but there's no bid button. This is the auction has ended page. Oh, so no one bought so it. Yeah, you could you could have had it for thirty four ninety nine plus eleven dollars and thirty five cents shipping. One sleeve. That's Apple branded. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy because they're not that hard. To, I've had some. Um, I don't have them now because I um, the last like Apple I had, then I I gave them away. It's a disc, you know, with it. Well, What's missing? Now, it looks like they're selling a bunch of Apple stuff. I'm looking at their 
uh, list. They they are selling a yeah, bunch. I'm of looking stuff. too. Yep, they're selling a bunch of Apple stuff. But really, uh, Apple Two E Platinum Empty Case 175. Does that sound good? No. I, uh, I don't. I don't know. If it's brand new, maybe. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want to, but why would you want to take your old Apple Two E and put it in the the later case? I I, I got to tell you, I like that case. I always yeah. I really like that when uh, I worked at an Apple store. In 1989, 1990, that's when they went to Platinum on the Mac Plus and the 2E. And I think those are the only ones. And I really liked them. I really thought they looked nice, both of them, like that. So I'd like to have one, but I don't know if I, why would I want an empty case. I wouldn't take another one and you know, stick it in it. Stick an old Apple 2E in it. But if you came across any of these sleeves, you know, now you know how much they're worth. Well, you know, Macs remain, and Apple's 2s remain beige long after that I didn't understand why did they make them all platinum cuz I just thought it was a it was just a really nice looking it's yeah brighter look to it and stuff it does yeah it just looked exactly. it looked really modern at the time and uh clean and stuff so I remember I was hoping that they they would make them all all that you know why this sleeve didn't sell why they forgot to put the words Steve Jobs in the title yeah that would have sold it right away you know forget was right he, he had nothing to do with it I mean, maybe they're hoping they they really think occasionally people stumble on, and uh, I guess they really believe that it's truly rare or something. And they're gonna and they jump on it. Well, you know, I've been to some antique co-op markets. You know what those are, right? One big building, but everybody mm-hmm. yeah. that could have probably sold that for the same price, or at least tried to. Yes, somebody may come in and buy it. Um, it it was just funny. I thought it it belonged in my random auction. So this is interesting. So the last auction we're going to talk about is my bonus auction, and I, I stumbled on it. I'll say because of looking at you know looking for auctions for the show and Mac portables. And this is going to be interesting because it is ending as I speak in yes, twenty three minutes and thirty one thirty twenty nine seconds. It's got three bids. It's up to eighty nine eighty eight uh, thirty four dollars shipping out of Staten, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, this wow. is kind of neat. It's a shame anybody listening to this isn't going to have a chance to buy it. So we'll see what it goes for, $89 right now. But, okay, well, so get this. This is not that picture. This is not that computer you're looking at. It's not a completed computer. That's called an outbound, which there are a couple different manufacturers that made, uh, what would you call it? Um, you know, they weren't Apple. In other words, an Apple didn't make a portable. Yeah. So they created the case and everything, and then... They they would purchase from Apple an SE or a Plus, and then and then take the guts and put it inside their own case, making it into a laptop. So that's what the outbound notebook computer was, and okay. and, and on some cases too, you could buy like what this is the kit to do it yourself. So this is an outbound notebook computer, build your own kit, Apple Macintosh authorized, nineteen ninety. And it says, working computer photo, not photo one, not included. The point of this kit is to put the last outbound parts on earth out there in your hands for you to build your own. All of, all as is, which is why you get lots of spares. Again, no batteries. Panasonic camcorder battery. Apparently. Oh, I probably, yeah, those long skinny ones. Or AC adapter included. So you get two chassis units with screens and keyboards and internal components. Two FDD units, one, be, one may be in the chassis already. Two daughter cards with RAM and ROM SIMs. Four SCSI outbound hard drives. One set DC in bits. One fax modem. One outbound paper port. Way cool. Get yours today. And then it has duplicated perfectly, I must say, the... Uh, yeah, Wikipedia article about the right down to the talk. edit buttons. <laughs> How they do that? I just, I just oh, stick the code in there, right? Yeah, I copy the HTML code, put it in. But hey, I guess 
I wonder what happens if you go in and now edit this. <laughs> yeah, it'll edit it on eBay. Well, it won't work, right? Because it would take you to... Yeah, it'll take you to Wikipedia. I, I don't think this is embedded in any way. But, um, but yeah, while we're talking about it, let me look at the other pictures. So there's the two different cases. There's the pocket modem. There's the bottom of like a drive or something. There's some of the RAM cards and other stuff. That is really interesting. I think... I hope someone buys it and they, they actually create a working outbound because that would just be really neat. You know? Yeah, it just kind of looks like a... I know it's a, more of a Macintosh keyboard, but it kind of looks like an Apple II keyboard. Sort of, yeah. Or an it's Apple II C. Yeah. I, you know, I wish they showed the, the working one or the, uh, that they showed the back of it and um, like what kind of plug it takes. I, I'm pretty certain you could probably... Um, it's a fairly generic plug that you could manufacture to work with those it's it's most likely like just like a barrel connector like the rest yeah so there you go that's that's kind of neat and um so when you listen to this go check it out and see how much it sold for we, we need to remember do you think that we should add that into our show add what yeah you know, going back and looking at what things sold for but in a lot of cases you're you're mentioning stuff that is sold uh, if we remember we'll we'll see what we'll maybe next show we can look and see what it sold for yeah, we could try something like that. So what do you think about values? So uh, from w- what we've seen, what do you think a Sinclair Cambridge Z88 portable computer is worth in, in general? I think if you can deal with shipping, like if you're from the United States, the, the Z88 has a, a fairly decent price to, like if you want something like that in your, you, you're not outlaying a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to collect things like that, you're not, you're not like trying to collect, you know, the, the uh, an Apple One, where right. the cost of entry is very high. The cost of entry for the the Z eighty eight is actually what fifty to seventy five bucks, maybe. It yeah, be? yeah, not counting shipping. Price. Yeah, like I said, if 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 you can ignore shipping, um, then it's it's not a bad price for somebody who wants to collect it. Uh, the funny not- thing is shipping. You know, because shipping's gone up a lot within the U.S. and having something shipped from like Europe, it's not that not that crazy, really. It's not that bad, not that much more in a lot of cases. I mean, it can be, but like something like that that's reasonably small and lightweight. Um, how much was the shipping on some of those? They weren't too bad, right? Let me look. Uh, Thirty, forty dollars in yeah. some cases. It's like mine was. Oh, mine was in Vermont. <laughs> Fifteen dollars. <laughs> Yeah, so yours is oh right, and, you, and on the Z eighty eight you can find some in the U.S. too. So yours was yeah thirty seven dollars. Okay, shipped. So now of course, when you go by weight, not by volume, or actually weight and volume, yeah, you know, the Macintosh portables are heavy to ship. Yeah, they are heavy to ship, and they're bulky. Right, but the price of them, uh, even unused, untested, uh, one hundred seventy five bucks. I mean, one of these was I. I'm thinking a good 150 to 250 on something that you know may blink when you hit the power switch, if not do anything else. Yeah, we don't, and we, so we don't know for sure. We didn't see any that were in pretty pristine, total working condition. But I'm going to throw out. I'm thinking what close, close to maybe 400 dollars, give or take. Or so if yeah, if if you include having the battery rebuilt, because there are people who do that for the Mac Portable. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, your cost of entry is going to, the value is going to be high for that because if you bought one of these thinking that you're going to get the battery fixed, if you don't do it yourself and you want to turn it around and make some money off of it, which will of course a working one will greatly increase the value. So yeah, what you said, three to four hundred dollars, yeah, would would be good if you got one that 
was working and the battery's good and you have the manual and hopefully the case for it. Hmm. It's it's not a Commodore 64 going into it. You know, you're not going to get it for 15 bucks or less. Stop poo-pooing my Commodore 64. <laughs> I love my Commodore 64. Um well we we got an email. Yes, and uh, instead of reading the whole thing, oh, go on. maybe we just kind of now read it. Go through. Okay, I'll <laughs> read it. Uh, apparently, one of our listeners um, has a uh, a book that they're writing. Uh, yeah, we're Richard good on we're all good on time, so go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll, I'll read it um, verbatim. He says, "I wanted to reach out and let you know about a book I'm writing that may interest you as computer history buffs. It's called The Secret History of Mac Gaming, which is something <laughs> you don't hear about too much. Awesome. Um, its purpose is essentially twofold." One, to show how the Macintosh computer and the early Mac gaming scene changed video games. And two, to share the mostly untold and previously unrecorded stories of creativity and independence that characterized Mac game development, particularly in the thriving shareware scene throughout the 1980s and 1990s, and by extension, much, much of the independent software development in general during this era. And he has a link to a two-minute pitch video. For a quick over- overview to find out more about it, I did not get to look at the video yet. Uh, the book sounds interesting. Um, the book's crowdfunding page. Out of uh, the so UK, I, would assume, I see. Out of the UK. So I assume it works like kind of a Kickstarter. You you pay for, you, you pay ahead of time, and then when he's finished, you, you get your reward. Uh, and then I guess whatever he has left over goes on sale. Um, and as a teaser for the book, he made an audio docu- documentary about how the brothers beyond, behind Mist Game, everybody remembers that one, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, got into game development and how they made their first game, The Manhole. Oh, yeah. That's what it was yeah. called. I remember. Um, it was a hypercard game. Yep. All hypercard. Yeah, that's... Uh, very, very influential uh, on the Mac, anyway. It was. I, I actually write some hypercard stuff, software. There's one thing that I have to support at work, and it's all hypercard-based. Well, not hypercard, but it's, it uses hyperscript, it, it, but it runs on a PC. It's very similar to... Hypercard, as far as the language is concerned, hmm. um, we're hoping to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, it's, it's, not, only, it's not fun to do. It's your only twenty six years old. That's all, but it, it seems to work, and it's one of those okay. As long as it works, we're not going to fix it. Uh, and he he said he appreciates if we could mention the book on your show. Done. Let me take that off the list. Also, he's also available for an interview. Well, okay, we might have to add that, David, um, and then. Please pass the link along. Yes, we will put these links in our show notes. Yeah, very cool, Richard. Thanks for writing. And we'll see. We'll see maybe if that fits in having an interview. But I tell you what, I um, I will also pass this along to uh, – and this isn't a blow-off. I'm saying, oh, not us. But, but you know, I'll pass along to James and John from the Retro Mac cast. And, uh, yeah, they have because, more focused Mac. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very interested to find out more. About, uh, and actually, I think I own the manhole. I think I, I still have it. Um, and – and so now I think about it, Mist was big on the PC and the Mac. Yeah. So, so really, it's, you could say the manhole was very influential, yeah, on early gaming in general, not I just got, on the Mac. I got tired of Mist and eventually went off to the uh, the parody spinoff. Pissed? Yeah, pissed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have that, by the way. <laughs> that was a fun game. That was a fun game. I also have the same company they made uh, – Wind blows. <laughs> I think it's Wind blows ninety seven, ninety six, or something. I, but you know, it's a parody of w- Windows ninety five, and it's pretty funny. So I have both of those packages. Um, 
Oh, the other thing I was going to mention is um, Richard mentioned about um, shareware gaming and all that stuff. So, you know, my first Mac was a, was a, a Lisa that ran the Mac operating system through MacWorks Plus, and um, and I was living in Germany in the army. And then uh, shortly thereafter, ninety one, I want to say early ninety one, I got a, a Mac Classic. So you know, so I was still using a you know a black and white Mac as my main Mac, and um, and I joined something called the Software of the Month Club. And every month I would get a little package in the mail. And of course, when you're in the military, you, you, you get to utilize American mail. It's That's not, right. Someone's shipping to you. They're not shipping it foreign. So APO. That was nice. yeah. APO or FPO. So it took a lot longer to get anything, but it didn't cost anything more. And that was really great. But um, So I'd usually get a pack every month with like four diskettes in it and I just and a newsletter. And it would tell you what's on the disk. And that was just such a treat. But I can say, so this is 91, 92, 93. For at least two years, I had that. And I really looked forward to getting those. And yeah, they would be jam-packed uh, with, with shareware games. And, and a lot of it would be HyperCard-based. And a lot of it would still run on my uh, black and white, you know, older Mac Classic. Uh, you know, because it was even, it wasn't older, I guess. But, it, you know, Color Macs were out by then. But um, but yeah, there were a lot of great shareware games for the Mac then. Shareware was a great source for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes getting to them was one thing. Yeah, you you could get a shareware catalog, or as you were saying, software of the month club. I know Amiga had their Fred Fish disc series. Uh-huh. You could probably which combined freeware and shareware onto a monthly, or was it monthly or every regular interval release disc, and then it'd be. I think Fred Fish had over a thousand discs. Hmm. Um, but yeah, almost every personal computer at the time had a shareware archive of some sort and i think there's a generation that doesn't understand that uh what the, the shareware concept there's there's our generation who you know we're right there when these yeah, open source sold. is what um, i think of it well open source well that's shareware you know means you might be paying a little money for an unlocked version or you know just because you want to pay the developer for his time because you like the product uh and he's trusting that you like it to pay him or yeah. her uh but then then there's the next generation like maybe in the 2000s that really haven't dealt much with shareware. Uh, software was getting cheaper. V- uh, console video games were much more popular uh, because the hardware was a little faster uh, and, and cheaper. And then now we got apps, and apps is kind of a shareware concept. Yeah, and app purchases. Com- completely different view, though. It's you know, right. You're not waiting patiently for something. Oh, here's the App Store. I click on it. This is a trial version. If I want a full version, I buy you know, buy the full version. Oh, uh, okay. So, so thank you, Richard, for writing in. And, uh, we sure love to hear more, you know, from more people. Um, so I'm going to just, uh, mention Twitter real quick. So I'm looking at Twitter right now and we have 167 followers. So it's not bad. It grows slowly and steadily. Um, not a lot to report on. Let's see. We, the last time that you know someone sort of spoke to us through it, we got some feedback. Was actually May twenty fifth, and um, Ten Pence Arcade Vert Vertvik said, um, "Mitutoyo make engineering inspection devices, micrometers and veneer calipers, and etc." So that was probably in reference to not the last show, but the one before. And do you remember what that what that had to do with? Oh, so I'm, I'm sorry, we didn't mention that then, but. Um, was it the the uh, HX20 or grid? Was it 
I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I think, and it's one of the things. That, this is just you know my aging memory. I'd have to. I think one of us mentioned something about that name. Yeah, and then and the she's saying, "Oh, they do this too." But hey, great! Somebody gave us an answer. That's, that's yeah. What but thank like. you, right? Thanks for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. But so just mentioning, so just uh, instead of me reading the normal little blurb at the end of the show, I just want to mention. So yeah, we tweet out when the new show is released, and you know we retweet people and, and answer to them a little bit. Not a lot going on there, but it, we we use it for the show and um, retweet some other people's things and so on. Um, and then also when uh, Jeff and I tweet some things on our own feed, you know the show retweets retweet some of some stuff here and there. So say that 10 times yeah. <laughs> real fast. So I really like to ask everyone if you would, you know, if you're if you're listening to the show, if you're a fan of the show, please we can we hear from you? Would you please uh contact us through Twitter? Um follow us on Twitter if you haven't or go to Facebook and we always post, you know, hey, the new show's out on Facebook and and again we do a little bit there like um yeah, we'll post like the pictures. I was talking about those two ads and, you know, occasionally we re share stuff from other people, but go like us on Twitter, uh, Facebook rather. Um, you know, yeah, we have 440 on likes on Facebook now. Yeah. Which it grows. Eight well. of them this week alone. Right. And, and it, we're actually growing exponentially. It's the May 25th. We had 409. Now we're up to 440. Um, somebody unliked us. Oh. Don't know who it is. Now I feel bad. I'm going to cry. Uh, <laughs> we, we never liked them anyway. Yeah, they're probably okay. not, they're right now listening. <laughs> we're going to keep. We're going to keep our toys. All right. Yeah, I'm looking at their stats page. So yeah, it, it's it's growing. Yeah. Uh, but so more. You know, we don't hear from a lot of people, and uh, we'd we'd like to be a little bit more interactive. Please contact us. Let us know you're listening. Follow us and blah 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 all that stuff. So make make us aware of your presence, please, and and help us out. Help share the show. So so having said that, um, the next show will be two weeks. So Friday, July first, it's eBay Show fifteen, and on that episode, we are going to spend the entire episode covering the PowerBook line of laptops from Apple, um, because uh, you know it was uh, it was around for a while, and actually yeah. it was quite innovative. Um, the PowerBook really innovated a number of things that influenced laptops to this day. Yeah, some of the designs and the fact that you it doesn't have to look like really blocky. Yeah. So so we'll talk about that the whole show and you know and there's plenty of different sort of models that we can we can cover in the, in the auctions and stuff. So you can you can send us if you want to email us, you can email feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. And again, I already spoke about you know social media. Contact us in some way. Tell someone about us in some way. And and that's really it for this show, for today's show. Remember, let the buyer beware. Caveat emptor. See you next time. See ya. They all say they love me on eBay. Gonna buy a slightly damaged golf bag. buy some. Is liable to snipe.